It's not exactly a secret that I tend to fall on the butterfingers end of the spectrum. Despite my high-tech, spill-proof coffee mug, gravity mysteriously gets the best of me. And often enough, that last year while I was on sabbatical, my coworkers installed an array of paper towel options in my office and others. <laughs> the improvement has been really pretty helpful, honestly. I need a refill. Um, but my ongoing contention with gravity is not limited to my coffee. I break stuff also, often. I was reminded of this just last week when I watched a plate slip off of my young son's lap and break when it hit the floor. He was momentarily surprised, and then looked up and pleasantly said, well, I guess we can just add it to the mosaic box. <laughs> it seems he has been listening to me. I have for years now been slowly accumulating a collection of broken ceramics with the intention of making something fabulous with them someday. The box is now larger than it once was and rather heavy. It's traveled with us through several moves, and I receive some degree of flack for it by other members of my family. But honestly, I'm really excited about it, about what might eventually emerge from these shards. My mosaic box strikes me as some combination of an excellent excuse or rationale for my clumsiness and an aspirational vision of this passage from Jeremiah. When I hear this passage, I imagine with some ease the way in which the potter can just stop the wheel, taking the crooked vase or the bowl that's so thin that it would burst in the kiln and gently, purposefully pull it all back together again, back to starting. Nothing is permanent, not yet. The potter and the clay can start again, start fresh, try once more. It's lovely, it's full of promise, and lacking in much consequence. But this only holds if we stop right there, in the part of the passage that gets turned into gentle, lovely, reassuring hymns. Those hymns don't usually go on to include the verses of the possible destruction that God is plotting against these wayward people. And I stop in my tracks, right there, in front of this hurdle, the notion that God would ever intentionally bring ill on people. Is the prophet trying to say that we are just succeeding or failing at the whim of God? 
this potter working at the wheel, punishingly smushing us back down into nothing, into a blank slate when we go astray? That is certainly one way this text has been read. And that continues to be how many Christians approach difficult situations, the kind that don't have easy explanations. This is the kind of text that can be used to shore up the God has a plan kind of response to terrible diagnoses, or worse yet, the God needed another angel platitude to gloss over untimely death. I do not doubt that God is present and pouring grace into the situation of an awful diagnosis, nor that God is active and attentive in tragedy. I just cannot believe that God designs it, wills it, that God desires the destruction described in Jeremiah's prophecy. So, what then? For starters, it may help to know a bit more about the context in which Jeremiah is teaching. In essence, life there is a mess. The lectionary has us hearing from Jeremiah for a while this fall, but we're jumping forward and back and hearing only little bits and pieces. You may recall a few weeks ago we heard the story of young Jeremiah receiving his call while things were still relatively calm there. Soon, though, the king leads the people into practices of idolatry, and then under the next king, Jerusalem is sacked, the temple is destroyed, and many are killed. Those who remain are forced into exile. It's awful, brutal, and it must leave them asking, why? Why this destruction? Where is God in all of it? Jeremiah's answer is clear. All this pain is punishment for how the people have gone astray. But it doesn't have to be like this. If only they will turn back, God may still have mercy. What doesn't come clear in this retelling is that while some of what we hear that is attributed to Jeremiah probably really did come from this prophet, plenty of this text came later. His followers stitched it together, trying to make their experiences all fit to hold together with the core of what their teacher had passed to them. This is how I often understand or approach texts of destruction that we encounter in scripture. That these people are doing the best they can to make sense of their world, trying to tell the story of how they understand God to be active in their midst. They are sacred stories, but they are not written by God. They are inspired by God, by encounters with God, and they are written by God's people attempting to put into words these confusing experiences, trying to point to where God is present. 
they are attributing this pain to God as a way to at least have the pain make sense, to have it carry some meaning. If they deserve what has happened, then at least it is just, right? I still don't believe that God works that way. Allowing consequences for our harebrained choices? Yes. Letting us feel the pain that comes from idolatry, that is, from putting things that are not God in God's place? Absolutely. But willing destruction? That does not sound like the God whose name is love, who infuses creation with her own image. So, what are we left with, then? Why do we keep telling this story? For my part, again and again, I am called back to the potter, to this artist, maybe tired, maybe hopeful, sitting down once more at the wheel, entering into relationship again with the clay, with this possibility. I don't doubt that God is involved, offering a nudge here, a pull there, trying to guide the clay into something new. And I have spent just enough time at a potter's wheel to know how little control a potter can have over unruly clay, this simple gray slick that can have an absolute mind of its own. As as humans, we get to choose our own way. There are consequences, sometimes mighty big ones, but we get to choose. And here, here is this invitation to lean towards something more beautiful, to be created again. Sometimes it flops. Sometimes it falls apart right there on the wheel before it's even begun. And sometimes the piece lasts longer, making it through the firing, maybe even being used for a long time. And life happens, whether from our decisions or just the inexplicable way that things can slip from our grasp and crash down, they fall. They break, shards everywhere, dangerous underfoot. And I have to believe that if this potter of ours is willing to keep starting again at the wheel, she will also pick up the shards with us, gather them into something new, something whole. She works even with the brokenness, even the parts we would throw away, assuming them to be beyond repair. So where is it? What is begging to be reworked? It's not broken because God willed its destruction. Life happened. Our choices happened. And now, if we are willing, we can begin again.